0: Hey friends, welcome to episode 32 of the Lucky Few podcast, where we are shifting the narrative by shouting the worth of people with Down syndrome. This is Heather, and well, it's just me. Right here is where Mercedes and Micah say their name, but I have a special guest I'm excited to introduce you to. who I'm gonna bring in a little bit. Micah is traveling, Mercedes is doing something with her family, and since it's summer, it's tricky to get all three of us in one space. And so we're mixing it up here a little bit. But I wanted to bring a friend here to talk with you guys about something that I get asked about all of the time by people who don't have a child with Down syndrome. And that is, what can we do? People ask me all the time, so what should we do? And while We here on the podcast don't have all the answers, which I know is a shocker. One of the most powerful ways people who are not directly connected to the Down syndrome world can help us shift the narrative is by intentionally creating and building genuine and mutual relationships with our loved ones who have Down syndrome. So today our guest did exactly that with our Macy girl, and I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode and share it with all of the parents in your life who are raising kids without Down syndrome. So friends, welcome to the Lucky Few podcast. Okay. So if you've been following along with the podcast and you know that we are no longer doing seasonal podcasting, but we are coming at you with this narrative shifting and worth shouting business every single week. Woohoo! Um, I wish that Mercedes and Micah were here to banter with me, but again, my friend will come on in a minute and she can take that place. But for now you get my voice. Um, And so things are going to look a little different week to week, and we are really excited about that. We know you guys are too, and we're forever, forever thankful for you for listening to the podcast, for spending time with us each week. Thank you for that. Okay, I'm going to get right to today's episode, and I'm going to give you a tiny bit of background. So again, just my voice for a minute here, but I think that this background is important for the conversation that you're about to hear. Um, and once I give you some background, then I'll introduce you to my guest who is just sitting here very quietly, which is my favorite. <laughs> There's a laugh. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. So a little over a year ago, um, we were living in a city right outside of Los Angeles and my best friend sent me a text message and said, hey, this house went on the market in a city that I live in now um, that I had lived in five or six, six years prior. So I lived in the city, moved right outside of outside of LA. I've now moved back to the city I was in before. I'm, I feel like if you go on Instagram, we'll figure it out quick, but I don't know why I feel like I shouldn't say the city I live in, even though you guys are all my trusted friends. Anyway, I digress. So she texts me and says, um, I think this this house is going to, it's going to be for sale to the right buyer. And it's your dream house. You have to come see it. Excuse me. And my husband and I were not thinking of moving. It wasn't anywhere in our minds, but we went and looked at this house and met the family who lived there and the house was dreamy and the family was dreamy and it's a super long story but we started talking about buying this house having conversations about the financials it was dependent on them buying a house um and everything that house fell through so then us buying their house fell through which we both look back and realize we're super thankful for it was the right thing it was meant to be (laughs) (laughs) but it got Josh and I thinking that we wanted to realize and we wanted to move back to the city. And so we started looking for another house and we ended up finding a different house. That was the house that we should be buying. We got this other house. It was down the street from the dream house from my friend here. I, after we bought our house and Rachel, Oh, my friend's name is Rachel. Once she found out we were moving here, um, she was super intentional in reaching out and reached out to me and just said, I want you to know once you move here that, I want my home to be a place that your kids feel welcome and can be a part of. I want them to be a part of our family. Um, and how can I do that? So let me bring her in here, friends. This is my friend, Rachel. Hi. This is Rachel. Okay, <laughs> so Rachel is a mom to five girls, yep. ages 13, 13 to almost two. Yeah. So well, tell 13, us all their ages.
1: 13, 11, 8, 7, 5, or so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's okay. It's okay. We all know. I was
1: thinking five-year gap. There's a five-year oh, gap funny. between the seven-year-old and the two-year-old. So that's what's in my brain. I don't have a five-year-old right
0: now. Okay. Seven. She's seven. And then two. <laughs> um, so she's got five girls. They are as lovely as can be. I can't even express this mm-hmm. enough. Um, so sweet. And then Rachel, tell us more about what you do. Rachel's an incredibly talented um, interior designer.
1: Oh, well, I think the term's more decorator. Actually, okay, interior I, decorator. I don't want to um, disparage the design community because they, I don't think they like that much <laughs> when the decorators are calling themselves designers because okay. I went to school for a couple of years for interior design, but then I switched majors, so I never actually got my degree in interior design, but it's something I love to do.
0: Okay, and you're very good at it. Thank you. You're welcome. She's very good at it. And you're going to school.
1: Yes. Okay. I. I mean, and what are you studying? I am in a master's program for a clinical psychology. So it's actually um, preparing me for the marriage and family therapy track to okay. be licensed as a marriage and family therapist at Azusa Pacific. Nice. Yeah. I she's love
0: super it. smart, guys. She's also really pretty. Smart, pretty, kind, good mom, good decorator, oh great cook. It's obnoxious. So know, you're like, dang geez, it. Jeez,
1: thanks, guys.
0: It's annoying. <laughs> you really just don't want her no. to be your friend, cause, but you do, because she's the best. Okay. I digress. So Rachel's here in the garage slash, well, my garage is converted into an office and here we are. And there's a full-size bed right now made because we're going to be Airbnb in this house soon. So that's, that's our scene.
1: And every design bone in my body is shouting with joy at how cute it is in there. I love you. I love this garage space.
0: Perfect. Okay. I'm glad. Thank you.
1: You're
0: welcome. All right. Um, I want to start though. so Rachel, you found out we were moving here, and then you reached out.
1: Yeah, I was freaking out actually, because I had already read your book. and so when our mutual friend said, "So the Avises are thinking of moving here <laughs> and we were, at the time, like you said, potentially trying to get another uh, this other house that might our our growing family, we figured we could use a little more space. So we were trying for this other house. And she said, well, Heather might be coming to town and she could come see your house. And I geeked out at the idea. I said, the lucky few, the lucky few will live in my house. Of course. I was was so excited. So I was already a huge fan of you guys and I felt like I already knew you. And I felt like I already knew Mason and Truly and August because of your book. So when you guys showed up on our doorstep, it was like a major fan moment for me. Do you remember? (laughs) I feel like I was freaking out.
0: I do sort of remember. (laughs) And it cracks me up. <laughs> um, yes, I love it. But I forget that. I forget that part. Yeah. Okay, so then we're moving to your city. And um, I will never forget, because one of the there were a couple of things that we felt nervous about moving. And one was that Mason had a really good friend in school, mm-hmm. um, Maya, who I've talked about before. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but Maya was a godsend. And a couple other friends. And friendship's always been hard. I'm real open with that on, on my Instagram account, uh, when I write, and here on this space. But you text me. I actually should wish I would have looked back. It would have taken a while, a year worth, year's worth of text messages yes. to find it. But it was the kindest text, like, um, like I said earlier, that you just said, Hey, I want our home to be a place where Mason oh. always feels at home and feels yeah. welcome. And what can I do? Yeah. Like you, do you remember that? I do remember okay. that. Yeah. Why did you send me that text?
1: Because it's funny when you ask me that. I'm like I resonated so much when I read your story. I was so um in awe of the message and it was something that really had done a number on my heart as far as thinking differently about how are we including and excluding people who are mm-hmm. different from us? Um And I just wanted to be a part of the movement a little bit. Like, I mean, I wasn't thinking on such a grand scale. It was more just like, and I also sensed from you that there was a lot of grace and a lot of willingness to teach. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes that there's a hesitancy to engage because you don't know how exactly to get it started and going. But I sensed with you, I could just ask questions. I could say... Hey, what does Mason like to do? Or if I if I was awkward in any way, or my kids fumbled or said something off, that I wouldn't have to feel super embarrassed because I always sense that there was just a grace and a willingness to help us learn from you coming from you. So that made it easy to reach out to you. I so, love
0: that. Yeah, Rachel and I have never talked about this. Really, yeah, I know. I it's kind which of is, funny, yeah, yeah. Which is fun to do that here on a recording that we will put into the world, <laughs> the whole world to hear, unedited. Yeah. Do you know that we no longer edit our show? I mean, now that you makes know
1: me more nervous. Yeah, Perfect. No, no.
0: Perfect. I mean, if you drop an F bomb, we'll put an explicit. Okay. Yeah, but I'll we try won't not edit to do
1: that. It. Perfect. But I can't make any promises. Um,
0: I like that. So let's talk about. I'm going to jump around here. I've got some questions written down, but I do want to talk about the first play date. Okay. With the girls and. Um, so Mason is 11 and her daughter London is 11. So that's been the relationship that we've been fostering. Right. And, but it is, I think with our family and with your family, and I think the more people, the more children in a family, Mm -hmm. it is, everyone's just kind of a part of all of it. Yeah. You know, like all, I'm sure all of your girls have their own specific friends.
1: Yes. But but much uh, to their dismay, there's lots of like blending that goes on. (laughs) And... And dependent on how the alliances are forming for the day, it can shift at any moment. So, <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 I feel like
1: some days yeah. it's like Mason and Ellie and Emerson are, are pairing up for a minute, right. or London's like, make them go away, mom. But,
0: yeah. yeah. Yeah, her, so I, I appreciate that it's London the friendship is with London, but yeah, it does feel like sure. a whole family. Yes. A family gig, which I like. <laughs> I like. But tell me, let's talk more about hesitancies. So our okay. audience is predominantly people who have children with Down syndrome. Okay. Or or a sibling or a loved one with Down syndrome. Yeah. Um, why what do you think is stopping parents like you who mm-hmm. aren't connected to the Down syndrome community, or for you even specifically, what's stopping you from creating friendships, like reaching out to the mom you see at school, um, who has a kid with Down syndrome, or even like at, at a playground, you see a family with a child with Down syndrome. What's stopping you from starting a relationship with them, from taking that first step to initiate a relationship?
1: Okay. I, I feel like there's kind of two things. Um, first I just think that I, I feel like we're just primarily wired in this weird way to be I remember as a kid, my first experience, like meeting someone with Down syndrome and I felt uncomfortable or I felt like it was different. And I think we, even as adults, we didn't learn to that, that discomfort will ease and go away with proximity. Once you just understand and are around people that have any differences from you, it's kind of like that just melts and fades away and you can't even remember a time when it wasn't completely comfortable, but I think um, for me, I didn't have enough contact initially in my life with a lot of people, um, anyone who had Down syndrome. So I think if you don't, you just sit with that that initial unease and you never resolve it. And mm-hmm. then when you become an adult, I think you can unknowingly pass that on to your kids. And with the best of intentions, you're just not wanting to say the wrong thing or have your child make a comment that would be embarrassing and make them feel bad or make anyone feel bad. So I think sometimes that it's just that fear that just has you, you just stand off and don't think about it. You don't Mm -hmm. enter into that space. Yeah. That's what I think is kind of at the heart of it. I think so too. Okay. Um,
0: I agree with all of that. But then I, what's always in um, makes me wonder or I find curious Mm -hmm. is how many people reach out to me saying how, what do I do? You know? And then it also, I already feel as a parent with a child with Down syndrome, for my child to be in community, at schools, at churches, on playgrounds, all those Mm -hmm. things, the pressure's on us. Yeah. And so then that's just like thrown back at us. You know, like, hey, what can I do? do. And I'm like, dude. Yeah. I don't know. Just try. (laughs) Like, what are you going to do? (laughs) I don't know.
1: Which I (laughs) think. Figure it out. I think that's what. I sensed from you that I could try with you Okay. and that I w- it would be well received even if I said something uh, poorly. Cause you know, as I've tried to educate myself on things, I realized I was always fearful. What if I say, um, you know, and, and I agree completely as I've learned about better ways to speak about things and to not identify the person as their um, if if someone has a disability, yeah, Yeah. as their diagnosis. Um, so I've learned these things along the way. And then I would be fearful that, oops, did I say that? Did I say that the wrong way? Or did I, and so with you, I just sense that I could just totally give it a go and try. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there still are even moments where I've been like, Rachel, why, well, that was, that was a dumb question. Or that was a dumb thing to say, or why did you assume that? But I've just never sensed that you've held it or, Or taking offense easily, which has been helpful.
0: That's good. That's good too. And I don't. And I and I recognize too a lot of that's my personality. I'm not easily offended, but I I do feel like to encourage say to the listeners just to tie this little thing up is that for people who have a child with Down syndrome, yes, we need to show up with so much grace constantly. And I know that there's a time that that can get annoying, but that is so important. You know, like to be open to being, continuing to be a teacher to continue to show up and the showing up can be exhausting, but if we keep showing up and we keep showing up, we'll see fruit from it. And then for people who are listening, um, who don't have a child with down syndrome to
1: step into, to it. Step into it, step into it. And yeah, there might be rejection. Sure.
0: Like I could have, sure. so you might interrupt. Well, you might,
1: yeah. Like I might say something completely off and, and, or my child might hurt a feeling or something. And there might be a rupture that we need to repair, totally. but it's still worth stepping into yeah and i think like your call especially for the parents who don't have children with any um diagnosis that it is on it can't just be on you guys i agree completely i appreciated that call to like hey guys like why is it just on us like these Mm -hmm. people um these children we all belong together and the sense of belongingness is on all of us to sort of foster
0: yeah It's good. Okay. We're moving on. Well, I don't have to say that. Um, okay. So let's talk about the first play date. And I, and I like, I like to talk about this right now in the open without having done that before, because I'm sure we were processing it very Mm -hmm. differently. And so you invited Mason to come over and play. Um, and what were your, did you have like concerns, hesitations, a plan? How did, how did it differ from a play date with other kids who come over for a first play date, or was it exactly the same? Was there preparation with your kids? Like, were you having conversations with London and with the other kids? So those are a lot of questions. Yeah. And you have to talk, like, so close to
1: Okay. So, I I mean, I didn't plan, like, extensively for it. It was sort of like, yeah, let's have Mason over to play, and I think that's part of the, part of stepping into it is just to take it just like that. Mason's coming over to play. This isn't, like, it doesn't have to be some world shifting event that I, you and me, we have to all coordinate and do this perfectly. She is our friend and we love her and we just want her to come over and play. But then also with Mason, I know like, um, I wanted to have a few activities in place Mm -hmm. and yet she doesn't, she didn't necessarily want to do everything. So it was just kind of like a loose, like, Hey, do you want to bake cookies with us? Or do you want to go out? They did a tea party, Mm -hmm. which was really cute. And the only thing that I had really said in advance with London was um, Mason might want to play differently and that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Also totally fine is if you feel like it's different. And what I wish people had helped me with when I was a kid was um, normalizing any feelings of discomfort as mm-hmm. this isn't a sign that something is like wrong. Mm-hmm. This is just different and it's new to us. Mm-hmm. And as we do it more, you won't have any feelings of you won't feel feelings of discomfort because this is different. Right. So it's kind of just helping them to distinguish that we get these feelings when things are different and different does not mean that something bad or that this isn't something we want to do, don't want to do.
0: Yeah. I love that. And that we talk about that a ton. I talk about that a lot in things, in some of my writing and in conversations with people that different isn't bad, different's just different and well, different's awesome. Actually, it's great. Yes, it- is um, I always say hard is not bad. Hard is not just hard, but different is good. Love but that. I talk about like, we need to let our kids feel uncomfortable, but a side note here, which I know you agree with this hundred um, percent. You have to talk to your kids about, are they uncomfortable? Cause they're not safe. You know, like, yeah. like when you're having the conversation with your kid that it's okay to be uncomfortable, like mm-hmm. it's going to happen. It's okay. Let's sit in that discomfort. Let's sit in that proximity. And eventually you're no longer uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but you also have to separate that just side note parents from if like a stranger is making you uncomfortable yeah, because you're not point. safe, there's different kinds of discomfort, totally. you know, yes. then then that we're not sitting in that. <laughs> yeah, we're, like, we're out of here. We're out. That discomfort is like, yes. there are times that discomfort is bad. And that's when
1: you're unapologetically yes, out of the yes, scene. Exactly. Yes, exactly.
0: So I just want to throw that in there um, as we're teaching our kids to be okay with being uncomfortable. Yes.
1: That. And I feel like once you've made and, and distinguished that for them, they're pretty good about being able to tell the difference pretty quickly yeah. to themselves as far as okay, this is a dangerous thing and legitimate to feel discomfort, and this is just me feeling like something's new and different and awkward.
0: Totally. And even opening up the conversation to say that your kids can come to you and say, I'm feeling really uncomfortable about this. Because I think, too, that kids could even – to, to say out loud, being around a person with Down syndrome makes me feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. They feel bad. Like there's a guilt there right. or a shame. Yes. And so they shouldn't even say that. And I right. think it's to encourage your kids, like don't say that to their parent or to them, right. but come talk to me about that. Like right. being a place that your kids can come to yes. so that you can then say, oh my gosh, let's, yeah, let's talk about this. Right. I felt super uncomfortable when yeah. I'm around whoever and that's okay. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that we should stop or, you know,
1: because I think especially if they don't get to address it or talk about it openly, it they layer on the shame mm-hmm. of just something's wrong with me. I shouldn't feel awkward or uncomfortable. And if I say that to somebody, they say, how rude of you. And so I want them to feel like this is just all a normal part of the process yeah. of getting to try something new and different friendships and different ways of connecting.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, okay, so then I'll share. So, this play date, I think, I'm trying to think back when we lived in Minerva. I feel like this was one of the first drop off play dates that I had. Okay. And I have a lot of hesitations. No, I, didn't even know this. I think so. Um, I don't even know that she had been to a drop off birthday party prior to this. She, just, she hasn't been invited to too many birthday parties, which oh, isn't funny. But, daggers I think that. Um, as her mom, I can think of all the way all the things that can go wrong, you mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. I can think of like well what if she what if she has an accident and she's at her friend's house you know like what if she refuses what if she gets we call it rock brain like what if she gets rock brain and refuses to do the thing that she needs to do, or what if she completely ignores her friends or what if she i don't know whatever like fill in the blank and yeah. mason Mason in the last two years started drooling we don't know. It's like another, another thing, another, another episode, friends, but it's like, there's going to be drool on her chin. Like, what if it touches a friend and it's like, they freak out about that. Like, there's just a lot of things like what, she's a messy eater. What if this snack is watermelon? That's an embarrassing snack for her to eat because she's literally drenched in watermelon. (laughs) It's very watery guys. So these are the things that I'm thinking of.
1: Oh, I feel, um, I feel it. But that's why I'm like, well, welcome to our house. Yes. We have people pooping everywhere. <laughs> we, have people, we have drool. We have messy eaters. I mean, yeah. uh, Mason was, could be right at home, but I get, I totally get. Cause you know, I, as a mom worry on uh, with each of my kids and their own individual things constantly, like, what is that one going to do? What, so I can relate there that the worry, um, how you run it through your brain as your child's at a play date. Like, what are they going to do? Yeah. Oh, no. oh
0: no. Yeah. And then I think too, and let's talk about this a little more. Um, I also feel, and part of this is I'm a two on the Enneagram, which people who listen to this know this because we talk about it, but it might mean nothing to a lot of people. But I hold other people's emotions um, for better or worse, depending mm-hmm. on where my health level is. And I worry that London is... Macy's friend out of obligation mm-hmm. because I worry that there's not gonna be enough connection mm-hmm. or that Mason is is too different. You know, like I think oh, about that so was yeah. a fly. And I think about that with all of the people she interacts with her age, like as the gap gets bigger, it's like you're friends with her because it's the right, nice thing to do, not mm-hmm. because there's a sense of genuine desire to be friends.
1: To be friends.
0: And I still feel this way. Um and I worry that London or whoever is feeling an obligation for friendship. Mm -hmm. And I don't... And if that's the case, there doesn't need to be friendship. So if that's the case, that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, like I want to say that's okay. But also then, oh man, that crushes me. I don't know what to do next. You know what I mean? Like I don't know what the next thing is.
1: Yeah. And to me, that's just where... um, That's when I think if there ever was that feeling, it means you're not we could foster an area where they can connect more. I just think mm-hmm. it means we are not,
0: um, not being creative enough,
1: creative enough. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I'm like, that's just nonsense that they yeah. wouldn't have a genuine friendship, just total nonsense. Maybe we're plugging them into the wrong activity or maybe we're assuming that they both would want to do this and one doesn't. And so we're thinking maybe they're not going to connect on this specific, um, thing that we have arranged. But as far as the friendship and the, and the feelings towards each other and all that, like there's no reason that couldn't be completely authentic and real yeah. and and grow and grow and grow over time just like any other friendship. Yeah. But I think it takes a lot of open conversation. It takes a lot of open conversation with your child too to help them process any of the feelings or the things or, you know, if it feels different or um, what about when another friend comes over and this or that that you help them to navigate. Okay. If Mason isn't feeling like she wants to do this today, that's totally fine. And if she wants to hang out and she still just wants to be there with us, Mm -hmm. so let's hang out. And if she wants to have a dance party right now, and you're not in the mood to dance, we'll sit and watch her dance. That's Mm -hmm. great. We're totally fine. And I feel like my girls have come to genuinely love Mason, like almost like even sibling level where there's days when you're like as siblings, it's like, sure. well, she wants to do this and I want to do this. But to me, I see that still as a form of like, well, there's friendship there yeah. because they're squabbling over. Well, I want to do this and she wants to do this. so Let's go do this. So, yeah.
0: So what I, I love all that girl. Um, what, what are the conversations? Have you had a conversation with London afterwards? Like, have you had like, let's say after the first play yeah. date, for example, mm-hmm. have you had to have a follow up conversation or like going into another hangout time?
1: I have, after our first play date, I actually just felt like it went totally great and she was fine and had a great time and so we didn't really need to like, I don't feel like there was anything that was even, um, really needed to be addressed, addressed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And there was such a cute, funny moment. I remember Mason um, went in and was, like, brushing or touching Lily's hair. Lily was laying on her bed reading. And And Lily's your oldest. Lily's my oldest. Yeah. Yeah. So Lily was in her room. And she said, Mom, it was so cute and funny. Mason came in and was just, like, brushing my hair. And so um, I love that it's, like, if Mason does anything that's, like, but silly or different, it's like we laugh in like love of like, oh, she's so cute, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. yeah, so after that first play it, I don't feel like we had anything to really debrief on, but I have talked to my girls before about, and this comes back from my own background of there was um there was a boy that I grew up with through my church that I got to know. His name was Trent, and mm-hmm. he um he had no use, he had muscular dystrophy, okay, and So he had no use of his arms or his legs and was in a wheelchair his whole life. And I would go often over to visit Trent. And then eventually in high school, like I went to prom with him. And I remember I wished I had had more support on the adult end Hmm. as far as helping me process all the emotions of just when there were so many things with Trent that I could see he didn't have access to and things that I was like, well, what can I do with him? Mm-hmm. How can I, I wanted to help more than I felt like I could. And, yeah. um, if I had had a little bit more adult support, I feel like it would have made it easier. So for my girls, I really want for them to, so that for that exact reason of it, not being an obligation, it's like right. I want it to be genuine because there's real friendship that I mean, there's real friendship there. Right, so. right. Yeah. I love that.
0: Um, we had an episode. I'll have to go. We'll look back, and I should have looked back. Sorry, friends. But we had an f- episode where our, my co-host, Micah, interviewed her friend, Malin, and they had a mutual friend, Carrie, all through their younger years, all through high school. And then Carrie and Malin were roommates for a while, and Carrie has Down syndrome. Okay. And so um, Carrie since passed away. But um, Micah and Malin had an interview together, about their relationship with Carrie mm-hmm. and just, like, why—like, why, why like what their friendship was about and with Malin, what it meant to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was—it's a really good episode. You guys should go back and listen to it. It's in the first season. And um, what was so great about it is that it all—I think that it just all kind of unfolded in a way that felt natural. That's, like, like the proximity piece. They're in proximity mm-hmm. with each other because they were all neighborhood mm-hmm. friends. And then they just kind of, um, she became like good friends and then almost like family. Yeah. And she had her little like grumpy moments or her little, like the ways that I think of Mason behaving that I'm like, oh, that's not how good friends treat friends, you know? But it
1: is how family Right.
0: And (laughs) Yeah. We can be family. Totally. totally. (laughs) But I love that it was like, they got to the point where they just, yeah, that's Carrie, you know, and they loved her for it and then forgave her for it and embraced her for it and saw all the good things. And, um... And I wonder, too, I'm just not processing this right now externally, but I feel like maybe that is even such an added gift to having a friendship with someone with Down syndrome. Like, Macy doesn't have all the same filters. She's just going to show up as she is. Yeah. And she's not going to put up a front. Right. Like, and I think 11-year-old girls are showing up with all of the layers and all of the yeah. masks, you know, even at that age, and, and it, to present even a certain more way. So
1: as these, yeah, the years go on and these critical yeah. Kind of like,
0: Yeah. And Mason's yeah. showing up presenting herself. as herself. And and for me, that feels a little terrifying because I know that her peers aren't doing that, you know, and Mm -hmm. I know that it's like part of who Macy is, maybe there's some differences that seem immature in terms of likes and dislikes, you know, and, Mm -hmm. um,
1: but her peers need it. Her peers need what Mason has to bring to the table. And that for me is probably the biggest piece with my daughters and wanting them to really intentionally form these kinds of friendships is not because we're doing it out of service to them. Right. It's because we need it. Like, I genuinely feel like, um, you know, Mason has something to teach and offer us as a family. <laughs> like, it's not for a second, like, oh, you know, you should go play with Mason because of this or that. It's like, no, you should play with Mason, and we want to play with Mason because our lives are so much better for it. Like,
0: yeah.
1: so... I don't, I don't see it at all. Um, I just, my heart feels for when you said, I don't want it to feel like it's out of obligation. Right. And I'm like, that's my fear is that I never want the awkward moments that will inevitably arise as they navigate their little friendship to somehow come across as, oh, London's being your friend out of obligation right. sort of thing. Right. And I
0: think that like for the parents listening, and I hope that a lot of you will share this with Friends of yours who don't have kids with Down syndrome, mm-hmm. but what I love, Rachel, about you is that it is it starts in the home and it starts with the posture of the parents, mm-hmm. you know, and how that's going to translate to your kids. Mm-hmm. And the posture when your posture is like that, there's mutual benefit here, which is a friendship, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, a mutual desire to be with each other, and then there's mutual benefit. Mm-hmm. Not I have so much to offer you, and and so often in the Down syndrome community, you know, people will reach out like organizations or nonprofits or celebrities or whoever Mm -hmm. to be like, look at how cool and how kind and wonderful I am because I'm befriending someone with down syndrome, right? you know? And so like if your kids are stepping into it, that if that's your attitude as the parent, then your kid, that's your kid's attitude. And that can't be a genuine friendship. Right. It can't. I
1: agree. And I think maybe that's what back in the day brought me the most discomfort as a teenager with my friend Trent was I would get showered with praise right. for spending time with Trent. And all my little heart could really feel was sadness because mm-hmm. I felt like, I just felt like I didn't understand why that would, he was such a good person and deserved even more than I felt like he got and was recognized for. That it was weird. It was just a weird dynamic to feel like, oh, you're such a good person that you're friends with Trent was like, Trent's better than all of us. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) We're shallow. I'm shallow and I'm 16 years old and I can recognize this about myself and I'm being told I'm such a nice person. I don't think I'm so nice. And that was a very confusing mixture of emotion for me at 16 years old to be feeling. So I would like to make that if I could in any way for my kids shift that dynamic because it's like, no, the, you I don't think we need to be showered with any more praise for being friends with Mason than we are showered with praise for being friends with our little friend Annabelle up the street. It's like this is this is friendship, this is what we do and we just yeah. have different kinds of friendships. Like Yeah. So anyways. And
0: I'm glad you bring that up because um I mean, you know, you see those like videos that go viral about the the football star asking the kid with Down syndrome to prom or right. whatever, you know. And it's like, people will send those to me like, isn't this sweet? Isn't this sweet? And I said, if, if you're making him the hero, this isn't sweet at all. It's actually right. incredibly damaging to our community. Yes. And it's incredibly damaging yeah. to the narrative here.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, if this is like, yeah, it was a sweet proposal, but is he genuine? Like, is this a genuine thing or all, or he's right. the hero here? And this is like this poor soul yeah. who gets to be a part of this situation, you know? So I think that that's an important point you bring up for the parents listening who are, want to have genuine relationships with people mm-hmm. with, who have kids with down syndrome, they want their kids to have those relationships, like making sure that your posture is not one of hero or yes. good deed. Totally. Um, it's gotta be genuine, it you know, doesn't. it's gotta I be agree. genuine. And, agree. and I think that if it's not going to be, then get yourself in the right headspace, you That's know, it. before yeah. you even pursue it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, because it's just not helpful. Right. You know,
1: and, and you just, we have more to learn then there's still more to learn along the way. If you're still feeling like, um, you're in that space of like, oh, I'm giving of service of some sort too. It's just like, well, you're not getting to know them well enough. Then, if you're still feeling like that, you haven't gotten to know them well enough.
0: Yeah. To yeah. Connect. For sure. So keep
1: keep going. For keep sure. Going.
0: And like in, and you know, when we talk about friendships and people will ask advice who have kids with Down syndrome, it's like you. And we talked about this a little earlier. Finding that cute common interest. You know, mm-hmm. like you were saying, you got to be creative yeah. enough. And finding those common interests mm-hmm. and then connecting on those common interests. And that's mm-hmm. all friendship, right? Yeah. And then the things you don't have in common, you learn from one another. Totally. And that's friendship. That's yep. a normal, genuine friendship. But it is the posture of your heart. How are you yeah. How are you approaching it? Yeah. You know? So I'm super thankful for you. I think it helps. I just want to note this for everyone listening. I do really think it helps that you have five kids. And that you have five girls. Um, because... And that two of our, so Truly
1: mm-hmm.
0: and your daughter, Ellie
1: Jane. Ellie Jane,
0: are the same age. Uh-huh. And then Emerson's kind of the sweet little, I don't <laughs> know, the best. Pongs the she ping all around. She is. Ponger. She's so funny. <laughs> She's the best. Yeah. But it feels really natural and normal to ask, like, all your girls over. Yeah. And it feels natural and normal for all my girls to come over. And I know that the dynamic would be different if you had, like, a single child or you had, mm-hmm. you know, like, a two-year-old and an, and an 11-year-old. It would just feel different. And this sure. is
1: where you, you guys are such a blessing to us because I rarely am told, well, it's so great that you have five kids so that I can just invite, have more to invite over.
0: <laughs> um, but I do think it's like so nice. it, that dynamic plays in into even your attitude towards people coming over, you know, yeah. or like being flexible. Yeah. And so just for people listening, like it's going to be, these friendships are going to depend, there's going to be different specifics to your family yeah. and um, the makeup of your family. But that attitude of, like, wanting that genuine friendship, knowing that you'll be better off for it, I think, yeah. is kind of the, is the foundation. For sure,
1: yeah. For that. Absolutely.
0: Um, right now, actually, Truly and Mason are at Rachel's house. Yes. And her 13-year-old is babysitting <laughs> we'll while we do this. So it's perfect. <laughs> and and London, her 11-year-old, is probably the most responsible human in the house. They is are. Is this possible? Yes,
1: this is, okay.
0: this is true. Um, and so, but I would never tell Mason that. London's babysitting. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Although I would say, and you are too, Macy, but Mason's, yeah, not, Mason. in yeah. uh,
1: worry, Mason's we'll
0: not in charge. Don't worry, you guys. Mason's in We'll
1: see what the house looks like when we get back, but oh, I'm sure they're having perfect. a good time. Yeah. And I think that's another dynamic that helps, yeah, is um, I think the mixture of all the ages and everything, there's just variation all right. over the place. So right. that's just normal. Like,
0: yeah. And one time, this makes me think of that, um, at a different time when Mason came over to hang out, She, she can just, um, I don't know how to explain it. She's just not motivated by a lot of things. Mm -hmm. That might be the wrong word. So she's not, Mason's not a, um, she's a follower. She's mm-hmm. not a leader, okay, and she's an observer, mm-hmm. not a doer. And so she's going to want to watch what's happening Which and not so necessarily cute. make yes. it happen. Yeah, She's not going to make anything happen, in fact. I mean, maybe a dance party. But <laughs> otherwise, she's just going to watch what's happening. Yeah. Maybe she'll jump in, maybe she won't. And I think there was one day where it was like, oh, I was there at the house. She just was being kind of a stinker and didn't really want to interact at all. And I uh-huh. could see London really trying a uh-huh. lot to like get Mason to hang out with her. And Mason was like, not doing her own thing, it. Yeah. right? Not feeling it. And I felt um burdened by that and conflicted by it. And I said something to you. I don't remember what I said exactly, and I don't remember exactly what you said back. Maybe mm-hmm. you do. But you were just like I just it's fine. Mason can be Mason in this space.
1: That's yes. Do
0: you remember this day? That's date?
1: still my heart on the whole thing is like because I think it creates this vicious cycle for both moms and then even the daughters cuz there will be moments where I'm like um if I feel so if Mason wants to just be doing her thing and observing and Mason's happy with that, but I'm over there pressuring London, Hey, why don't you see if she wants to do this? She see if she wants to do that. And then London feels a pressure to be like, Mason, do you want to play this with me? Do you want, and then Mason's unhappy because we're bugging her nonstop. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, I just don't want her to feel left out. And then I have to sort of step back and go, mason's happy right now Mm -hmm. and she's here with us and we're happy she's here and we're all good so what is this whole thing i'm projecting onto this of what it has to look like and what it has to be like and and how we have to demonstrate to her like that we're we're friends and we're here i'm like just by fully being here with her is all we need to do and like if that's what she wants right Mm -hmm. now and so let's just let that be and so
0: I love that. It means a lot. I mean, it means, it means so much less. to me and it puts my heart at ease. And yeah. I think part of what is beautiful about being a part of the Down syndrome community and what I've learned from my kids is that things are going to look very different yeah. than what we've been told it should look like right. and that it's awesome. Completely but we're fine. we're so um, formed by what, what the norms are yeah. in relationships, in society, in school, in all the places that it's hard to kind of like relax from that, yeah. you know? And I like that in friendship, it's that opportunity of getting like Mason gets to show up as she is, yeah, and it's gonna make the friendship look different, but okay, so it looks different, Friends. you know, oh, and then everyone okay. kind of bends and yeah. flex, and it's like, okay, yeah. this is this looks different than other friendships, and that's
1: and I think it's so okay. important to just keep to keep talking about it because I love when you bring that up when you say. Oh, I'm feeling bad because Mason's just not, that helps me to be like, okay, well, it's totally fine right now. Like I'm feeling like this is, I think if we hold that stuff in when it's, if you're feeling awkward in the moment or for me, sometimes it's like, I feel, should we be doing something more or what would Mason like to do? I need to feel like I can just come to you with that and say, I'm feeling like a bad friend right now. She's just wanted to hang out with us and watch a movie. We're watching movies. Is that cool? and I I can just come to you and ask that and be be fine and open with it is helpful instead of always feeling like, oh, don't say anything, or is this feeling awkward at all, or this is different, Yeah, any of that. It's helpful to just air it out and talk about it repeatedly because it's not a big deal.
0: (laughs) Totally, totally. And I think that with all friendships, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like Down syndrome or not, when your kids are little, it's super helpful when the parents... Are involved in like you have you want to have these conversations with all the parents, right? Yeah. Like you want to be able to yes. <laughs> talk to the parents about like, yes, you know your child, your son or daughter seemed to feel this way, or when they yeah. did this, it made me feel this way, yeah. And to know that it's going to be reciprocated and that you yeah. can work that out. And I think that again, that like hidden gem within the Down syndrome diagnosis as a family is those conversations come more naturally because they have to. It yeah. feels like like they should in all friendships. Right. But we have to bring that to the table. It feels like that. Yeah. Or rather we get to in a way that um I think is super healthy. You know, I like agree. for you and I to be able to go back and forth and like yes. because of that I feel totally safe Like with wouldn't my that kids be not, with you. Yeah.
1: I feel like we even need the, Yeah, in every friendship. <laughs> adult wouldn't that be nice to get to just debrief about a play date and just actually right. like <laughs> be, be honest easy. and yeah, yeah
0: and up front. So that's another and, gift.
1: There you go. Yeah. Like
0: Anyways, it's so good. Okay, I'm gonna wrap this up because we have a couple more things to bring out to the show. But I have two things for you to answer. I'm gonna put you on the spot, and it, we've talked about a lot of it, so it may just be saying something I already said. But okay, what's what is what is the last thing that you have to say to parents who have a neurotypical able-bodied kids? Um, or anything you haven't said yet that you want to impart on that,
1: that community? Do not miss out on the fun. Don't don't miss out. On the fun of kids and of life and variety and the beauty. Um, I just think it's so one dimensional and boring to only have people who are just like you in your life. So to me, it's like, it's, it's just, it's like, why wouldn't you? (laughs) So jump in. Jump in. It's great. Yeah.
0: And what about to parents out there like me? All the parents are listening of kids with Down syndrome. What's something you'd want to say to them?
1: Oh. Just keep doing the amazing work that you're doing. You're teaching all of us. I'm a firm believer like that in life, there can be two categories. There's two types of people, and there's teachers, and then there's learners. And we kind of go back and forth between those roles our whole life. And I believe some people just predominantly are here as teachers, more so mm-hmm. than learners. And to me, like the masons of the world are the teachers, mm-hmm. and... You guys have something to teach us. And just by showing up and advocating for your kids like you do, you know, here, I don't have a child with Down syndrome and yet to see the love, to see the advocacy, you're calling all of us to better forms of our nature. And so I'm like, please keep at it and don't give up and you're not alone. And thank you for including us.
0: (laughs) Beautiful. I say amen and amen to all of that. Um okay Rachel before we close we're going to go get a word from our sponsor and then we do this thing called good news. And um the and I'll talk about that but I'm going to have you share a good news about one of your kids. Okay? Ooh, so you okay. have a minute to I think, have about, a minute it. To think okay, about it. Cause okay, cuz we're going to go to a, a sponsor. Okay. All right friends. So we are back. I'm here with my guest Rachel um mother of five neurotypical able-bodied children <laughs> and we've been talking about friendship and this is now the part of the episode that we all love and Mike is not here to bring us in <clears throat> with a song but this is what the part of the episode that we call good news <laughs> Okay, so good news. I'm going to give some good news. Rachel's going to give some good news. And then we're going to hear from you guys, our listeners. So here's my good news, friends. Um, You're hearing this later, but the 4th of July was recently. And Mason watched the fireworks for the first time in 11 years of her life. Maybe when she was a baby, but she had no control over that. Um, Every year, fireworks have been a big deal in our home. And she... Is very very stressed by fireworks, like to the point that sometimes just any day of the week, like a Wednesday in February, the sun starts to set and she'll be like, "Are there fireworks coming?" I'm like, "Girlfriend, there haven't been fireworks since last July." Like, I, no, there's no fireworks coming. Or like the that ride soaring over um, the world in California Adventure at Disney. At the end of the ride, there's fireworks, because mm-hmm. you fly over Disneyland to the fireworks show. Like, we don't go on that ride because of the fireworks. Oh. Um, she's tried. Like, I'm pumped, I'm pumped, I'm ready to watch fireworks. And then the first firework and panic, like, literally a panic attack. She's hysterical. Oh. So we've had to pull her out, like, screaming hysterically from fireworks shows. We've had to sit in the car. We've had to, like, convince her and bribe her to at least watch from a window far, far, far away. Um, and then this year, she's like... I'm going to do it. And she was with your daughter, London, and another friend, Ruby, and a bunch of other kids. And I think kids make kids brave. Maybe mm-hmm. it's called peer pressure, but we'll call it kids make kids brave.
1: Let's go with that. And yeah. she
0: watched the fireworks the first, there were like she little did. booms she, all yeah. night. And then there was a, like it started and she said to me, and she had these headphones on that are basically a placebo. They don't work like noise cancellation. <laughs> They're bad ones. And she says to me, I'm out of here. I'm going home. And she like stomped away from the crowd. And we ended up in this breezeway and she stayed and watched the whole thing and was like jumping and laughing. Yay. Yeah. And she loved it. And at the end, she's like, I love fireworks. And then she, this morning we're listening to music and that Katy Perry song came on firework. Is that Katy yeah, Perry? Okay. Yeah. And she goes, Mom like last night, the fireworks. So i like, that's there we right, go. babe. Yes. We are firework watchers. Okay, that's my good Yay. news. It's a big one.
1: That is a big one. Okay,
0: so so good news. Sorry, I should have said this before I said my good news for anyone listening for the first time. We like to share our good news because in the Down Syndrome community, um, our kids are doing incredible things all of the time and we like to celebrate those and oh, it's yeah. little things and it's big mm-hmm. things. So a firework show would be a big thing um, to have a child with Down Syndrome take a bite of a a food for the first time after years and years of therapy. Like, eating food is a big thing in the downstream community. All these little things. So, we celebrate all of the good news. I love it. Big, little, everything in between. Love it. Okay, do you have something that stands out?
1: Yeah, I think I'll um, go with Emerson,
0: actually. Tell us a little bit about Emerson real quick.
1: Emerson is my little firecracker child. She's quirky. She has had a speech delay that we've been working on for a few years, so she still pronounces things very funny and the way she talks is super cute and funny, but um, it's definitely one of the things that I've stressed about a lot
0: as
1: (laughs) being her mom, is making sure, trying to get her kind of, you know, to the point where she can articulate and people understand what she's saying, and now we've made huge leaps and bounds, but that's been something that's always been on my heart with her. And this last week, she's been reading really well with her books. And Yay. she used to say duh for the all the time. "the, duh, the." And now she, this whole week, I said, Emerson, every time you read and said the, you said it, the. And she was so proud of herself. Oh, that's a big yeah. one.
0: And You're in good company here with speech. One.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to share all... one more. Okay, okay, I yes. just told Tyler last night because it killed me. Because this makes me so happy when my kids, when something... Where they reveal their heart in a way that's unexpected, and I realize you were just like doing this well, good job. So um, Emerson got in a squabble with a little girl at the Fourth of July thing. Oh, okay. uh, I don't, I don't know whose daughter it was. I don't even know that it was a kid that was in the group of all. There were a lot. (laughs) There were a lot of children, and she ran up and she said, "She just, mom, that girl just said I don't care about you." And she said she wanted me to come over and help handle it. So I went over, and I normally don't even insert myself in these things, but I just said, hey, guys, are we all talking nice? And the girl responded. She said, she just makes me feel like she doesn't care about us. And she was saying that to Emerson. And Emerson says, she holds her heart, and she goes, I care about everyone. My my heart is open to everyone. (laughs) Oh, yes. I died. I died. I was like, well, there we go. I was like, okay, well, let's be nice, girls. I was like, I mean, maybe you did something that made her feel left out, too. So let's be nice. It was a very small moment, but it was just hilarious to me that she said... Her heart is open to everyone. And that okay. is like,
0: okay, yes. we're doing
1: something right. Yes, right. We may okay. be getting
0: it all wrong in other areas. I don't know that your
1: little friend got the message because she felt left <laughs> out, which means you were doing something, Emerson, but we're on the right track. The Our right heart is track. open to everyone.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, friends, we're going to head over and hear from you. Um, but remember, head over to the lucky few podcast.com and you can find the phone number there that you can leave us a voicemail and we get to hear your actual voice and hear your good news. Um, Rachel, thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you for
0: being my friend. Thank you Thank for, you for initiating friend. friendships with Mason. Thanks for raising yeah. great kids, putting good humans in the world.
1: Thank you. For Thanks for
0: being on the podcast. You.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Um, how can our friends find you if they want to follow along in your life? Oh, geez. Do you, I mean, you can just say not at all, but otherwise.
1: Um, well, my Instagram is racecornerblog, but yes. I am private. But if I... If people want to follow me, I'll accept your request because I'll assume you're from the Lucky Few podcast. <laughs>
0: if your profile picture has a person with Down syndrome in it, she'll yeah, accept it. 100%. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, you're out, so you may have to change that. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Um, okay. So we. I also want to give a big thank you to our editor, Andy Lara, and our producer, uh, Val Schleider, our sponsor this week. We're so grateful For our sponsors who help keep this podcast going and to all of you who have shared the Lucky Few podcast with friends who have listened faithfully and cheered us on. We're so grateful. Um, If you or your organization is interested in supporting us with sponsorships, our sponsors really help make this podcast happen every week and you think you have a product our audience would love, let us know, reach out through email or direct message on Instagram. Uh, We'd love to, we'd love to feature your product here on the show. And then don't forget listeners to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, because it helps other folks find us. And remember that you are dear listener out there supporting your love and with down syndrome. You are a shouter of worth and you are a narrative shifter. So keep on keeping on. We are cheering for you. And we will see you next week on the Lucky Few podcast.
1: Bye. Bye, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to Lucky Few podcast. Remember to review our show on Apple Podcasts and check us out on all social media at the Lucky Few pod. You can also support the show now via anchor.fm just by going to the website, scroll down to the bottom, and you can begin your support right now. Lastly, send us your good news by going to theluckyfewpodcast.com and sending us a message via text, voicemail, or email. See you next time.